0: Hi, this is Dan Sullivan. I'd like to welcome you to the Multiplier Mindset Podcast. I'm here with Lisa Sini, and we have something in common. We're Ohioans. And one of the difficulties, if you come from Ohio, you're not used to hyping yourself. So I'm going to have to lift Lisa up a little bit, because in Ohio, you get above yourself. You get kind of clipped off a little bit. So Ohioans really really have to develop marketing skills that they're not born with we're not raised with hyping ourselves but yeah we do enough to be successful so lisa i'm going to start off right now with scary times so this is an unusual period of history i think it's the biggest event in my lifetime and i'm 75 i have never you know, experience something like this. But what I'm noticing out of the free zone entrepreneurs, different approach to this. Lot of looking for opportunity, looking for new capabilities. What are you seeing right now that's kind of surprised you almost? How you've zeroed in on something right now during this scary times period?
1: What I'm realizing in my own business, at least, is that we do design for senior living, and. We work with real estate investment trusts and people that are very big companies. You know, they might have 240 facilities. And I have been shocked at the level of organization that they have and the ability to have any kind of tech to be able to even communicate with each other during this. So we've been taking advantage of the fact that we have built a compliant healthcare platform for the last couple of years. And, you know, they're scheduling these calls and it might be Microsoft meeting or whatever, and they're failing. And they're like, Lisa, can you take care of this? So we're doing all this now from our client's standpoint and not just being a design partner. We're actually kind of being an IT partner to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. We're helping them to get out their message, which is very, very different than what I ever thought we would be doing.
0: Yeah. You know, we're all kind of a Slap together a set of skills, you know, what I know as entrepreneurs, because so many of us started life not with an intention to doing what we're doing now. So we've developed other skills and other mediums. So, what, in terms of your own personal skill, are you noticing is really, really serving you well right now?
1: I think one of my biggest ones is student council president. <laughs> you know, that is uh, serving me really well. Like, how do you communicate a message? And I think you have said it. How do you make it easy to understand and impossible to misunderstand when you're dealing with Zoom meetings and text messages and you don't necessarily always have body language to go along with that? How do you communicate and lead and make everyone feel that you've got this and you can handle it and it's no big deal and we're going to take care of everything, but also make them feel like they're being heard and listened to? Mm -hmm. So that's a very delicate balance, I think, between being a dictator and, you know, being a manager, you really truly have to be a leader. And that's a rare skill set.
0: Yeah, when I first started as a coach in the 1970s, I had a number of really top-notch life insurance salesmen. The biggest difference I noticed about these people is that it wasn't that they were great and they were successful, not because of product skill but they had an incredible ability to immediately get on the other side of the table and see the world through the other person's eyes. And there was a great line, and I remembered it because, one, it's very, very true, but the second thing is that it's beautifully spoken. it said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Could you reflect on that?
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, I just wrote a blog about it yesterday. So I was so frustrated at all of the great work that I saw my clients doing, and all I saw was negative press. So I just wrote, I really believe senior living has a huge marketing problem, and so the article was maybe COVID can solve the senior living marketing problem. And I went through and just kind of preached about all the wonderful things that these folks are doing for people that we're not taking care of. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard. It's not like taking care of a little baby where you can force them to take their medicine or to take a bath or whatever. Somebody's 150 pounds and they're calling them cuss words and different things like that. And I know that because I took care of my grandmother. I didn't do the majority of it. My mother did. But really shout out to all the wonderful things that they're doing. And if I can be a champion for them, that goes a long way. They're not going to brag about themselves. Mm -hmm. They're so scared of the media turning against them.
2: And in yep. reality,
1: they really need to be held up just like any of the healthcare workers and the rest of the people out there during this
2: okay. issue. Good, Lisa,
0: let's go back. Let's talk about the beginning of the entrepreneurial road in Canton,
2: Ohio.
1: That's right, that's right. Canton, Ohio football of fame. Yep. We had presidents born there and that. And I certainly didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur growing up in Canton, Ohio. I definitely wouldn't be where I am without knowing you wouldn't have written books and helped other people in that. But it's a completely different, you know, where I started, I was just a really good worker. And I thought that's what I would be and where I would be and, and doing that. And this whole journey of becoming an entrepreneur has been kind of a shock to me for a long time. And now I'm starting to get comfortable in my own skin in it and maybe even reach a little farther.
0: Yeah. Talk about the first focus in the marketplace from an entrepreneurial standpoint.
1: Well, when I go back now, I realize I probably was an entrepreneur. Every time it would rain, I would go out and gather up all the worms that would come out of the ground. And then I would go to all the neighbors that I knew fished and would sell them all the worms. So when I go really far back, I think that I was always an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But as a company, Mosaic started out in interior design. We specialized in senior living and healthcare, which we still do, but now you know, gosh, now I'm doing software development and I've got best living tech, which is aging in place products. And we're working to get a deal with QVC and actually bring them to the whole world. So it's a completely different thing than just drawing on a little board and picking some colors.
0: Yeah. My experience, my mother was in a senior assisted living last three or four years of her life. And my image of the whole industry is that it's kind of like government issue, boring buildings. So you've taken a totally different approach to this, and you've almost kind of brought the whole senior living experience out and integrated it in the marketplace in the way that you design things. It's like a small town, actually, what it feels like.
1: hundred percent. If you've ever been to Las Vegas maybe New York, New York, that kind of thing. Those are the types of homes that we can do, because if you're spending 99% of your time inside, designing the outside of the building really isn't what you need to be focused on. It's where the people are living and breathing and eating, having all different restaurants, making it a four-season type of service. We even have theaters that are two-story, full churches, fitness, spa. I mean, honestly, when I've given my kids when they were younger tours, they said, why can't we live here?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, the other thing is that people are attracted to go there. And this is always one of the big separation problems between entire community of senior people and then the entire population who isn't their age and isn't at that stage of life. I think you've created magnets. They're almost like magnets.
1: Yeah. And my clients, I'm very blessed that my clients allow me to do that, but they understand that if they're attractive to their caregivers and their caregivers are talking about it and want to bring their moms and dads and their brothers and sisters, then it's a dynamic place. It really should still be a community. You know, The insane asylum that was up on the hill, which is really what everybody has a picture of in their head.
0: Yeah. Talk a little bit about some surprising stories, Lisa, where You had an idea in your mind and you know every time you start with an innovation there's a risk factor that you've guessed wrong and everything but just an experience when you first did your multi-dimensional living experience for the seniors you got proof back you got comments i always remember the comments when i first created the strategy circle and people said my god i I wish I'd had this 30 years ago when I first started my entrepreneurial career, right. but something like that that told you very early that you were on the right road.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, when you do something right, and whether it is lighting and wayfinding for somebody just as easy as something is, how do you get up in the middle of the night and find the bathroom? Anyone that travels a lot, which isn't happening right now, but you know, it's gonna get back to normal, you know unless you're staying in the exact same hotel type like you do, if you're staying in different ones, you can't find your bathroom in the middle of the night. It's very disarming, it gets you upset and nervous, you can bump your head. So being able to design and use light and color and wayfinding to do something like that, it seems like a no-brainer and everybody's like, why didn't we do that a long time ago? those little types of things, which are very, very intentional, can make massive differences. You know, we know that if an older senior falls and breaks their hip, the odds are within two years they're going to die. So, and most of the time they're falling to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. So, that kind of little shift, doing lighting and wayfinding, have just made an exponential difference and get people to listen.
0: Just from your understanding of what life is like, from the inside for someone who's a senior. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I'm 10 years into being a senior, and it's the first time that's it's occurred to me that I'm actually yeah. a senior. But I said, if it gets me to the head of the line, I'm...
1: Why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah, I think our mentality in the U.S., Dan, and I talked about this a lot. I spent a summer in Italy just looking at how they did senior living, how people interacted. And what I found was that, one, they didn't have the great big grocery stores which I think are partially the downfall of the United States. You know, you lose your local butcher and baker and the vegetable guy and the fruits and vegetables, you know, being picked and delivered to you when they should be. But you also lose the ability to only get what you're going to cook that night. And there's a huge ritual, I think, in appreciating your food, in going and getting it, in picking it, and it's picking it right when you're supposed to, and then walking. And what I saw was old women that might be, you know, in their late 80s, and they're walking across cobblestone streets and up and down stairs, like in Cinque Terre, where they're walking maybe 200 stairs, and they're still doing it, but they're just going it really slow. And they're not thinking that they're supposed to be young, They're not supposed to be looking like, you know, Jane Fonda or something like that when she was in her, you know, 40s. It's not that they want to be sexy and in shape. It's just part of moving and getting the food is part of living and appreciating life. And their balance is so much better, their mental attitude. And you really don't go into senior living in Europe unless you're ready to die. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's not to retire. It's to die. And it's a completely different mentality. They have an abundance mentality and they don't live in a state of fear.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's almost like you've done uh, Howard Schultz because Howard Schultz worked for a company called Starbucks. You know, they were uh, wholesale beans, they were a roastery. And he had gone on trips to Venice and he just noticed the whole difference of a The approach, first of all, it was Mm espresso-based coffee culture, but it was a culture, you know, and coffee was never a culture in the United States. Right. And I remember Maxwell House, I could never understand, you know, why anybody in their right mind would ever drink coffee because American coffee was just not good coffee. And then he saw that if you brought high-quality beans and the presentation was great and the environment was great, but there was kind of like, I don't think he named it, but there was a concept called the third space. You know, it's not private, it's not public, it's sort of a meeting place. And I think that that experience of being older, there's a culture that's just as full and dimensional for you when you're older as any other time in your life.
1: I agree 100%. And I think that's too why... Their mental health is better. If you look at what Italy is going through right now, you know, they're trapped. And the videos that I see are them singing and laughing and dancing and being in community. It's a fantastic attitude.
2: Yeah.
1: Out of kind of any group, they have the group to be going, woe is me. And why are we trapped? And this is so awful. And instead, they're just laughing and singing. And it's just a wonderful spirit.
0: Well, the other thing, 70 and 80 year olds in Italy remember the bad old times, the 10 to 15 years after the second. I mean, Italy was flattened. Yep. Uh, and they grew up in that. So let's go back to January 1st of 2020. What did 2020 look like for you? And what was at the front burner for you, you know, in terms of your yeah. design? And you're experimenting with a lot of different things, doing collaborations with a lot of people who are outside of your industry, but who have different kinds of capabilities. So what did the first couple months of the year
2: look like?
1: 2020 was a, to me, in January. And I think to our team was going to be like turning on electricity. I bought this 10,000 square foot mansion. We are getting ready to start construction on it to turn it into an aging in place Airbnb showroom. Finalizing software development for a 3D virtual fintech tool for senior living, product development for QVC. And then my senior living clients had, I just got awarded the largest amount of projects that I'd ever been awarded ever in my entire lifetime. So it was a very, very good, exciting outlook. And it wasn't one-dimensional. It wasn't like we were putting all our eggs in one basket, but it was I really felt like, you know, it was the electricity was getting turned on. You know, the rockets were getting ready to take off to go into a new area into space.
2: Yeah.
0: How fast did you pivot? Immediately. And I'd like you to talk about this in terms that just being an entrepreneur, period, kind of prepares you for this type of situation.
1: It does. I think an entrepreneurial mindset for me sits in the line, at, you know, getting ready to check in at an airport. And instead of complaining, they're figuring out how you can develop a kiosk so that you can take away the workers and never have to wait. And all it is is a tag that goes on the bag. (laughs) That's an entrepreneurial mindset. You don't look at what everybody else complains about as gosh, grumbly, why can't somebody fix this? You look at it as an opportunity of, oh my gosh, I could do this. And your biggest issue as an entrepreneur is how to siphon out the ideas that really revolve around your unique ability and the ability to collaborate with other people. That's the biggest issue. So when this happened, immediately we just started holding meetings. I had come back from Germany My daughter was put in, she had met me there for spring break, and she was put into quarantine in Israel immediately, three hours later after she landed. And I thought, "Mm, Israel, I watch Israel a lot. And I thought, if Israel just swooped my daughter up and knew when she landed and picked her up and put her in quarantine someplace, the U.S. is going to get hit in a pretty severe way, and we don't know it yet. So we immediately got our team together. We got our digital platforms in a format that our clients could see them. We made sure all of our team was aligned. We asked ourselves what fear points our clients were going to be going through and what could we solve for them. Sent emails out to all of them and said, look, we're not shutting down. You don't have to worry about that. We've got you covered just even take that off the table. And if you have anything that's a pain point for you that either your team or your other vendors or relationships can't take care of, let us know. We're an interior design team, but if you need signs made for your homes that talk about COVID and washing their hands, we'll make signs for you. Mm-hmm. And I got such a positive response back from all our clients that they just could you know, rely on us to not kind of pull back. And it wasn't about money. I mean, we're in long-term relationships. This was about, Hey, where were your partner? How can we help out? And I think by doing that, they then talked to us and said, how can we help out with you? Mm -hmm. What can we do? And so the pivot was pretty darn fast and easy. We looked at it as just what are the issues that are going to be happening? You know, we just did a full presentation for a client, for all his investors, which we wouldn't normally do, of what we do to be able to help make it cleanable. You know, the furniture that we specify can be dipped in Clorox. There's only one manufacturer that does that. You know, all the different things that alleviates people's, I think, fear. Really, it's about alleviating fear.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You personally, when you look at it, what has surprised you most of which skill has come out the most during the scary times, what skill has really, really come front and center?
1: Hmm. That's a great question. I think what we're doing right now. You know, I could not stand seeing myself on camera and hearing myself and worrying about that. And maybe it's an Ohio thing. I think the skill set of being able to communicate, as Mike Caning says. If you're worried about how you look, then you're not worried about your audience and what you're doing for them. So being able to truly communicate and see somebody through a camera and alleviate that barrier and be able to service them. And it's just a new media. Mm -hmm. It is just a new media. And then helping those that are, you know, your clients or your staff that's not comfortable. I mean, immediately, the first thing I did is when we were having our platform meetings with you know our video conferencing is I would see people didn't have their video on and I said uh-uh the rule is you have to have your video on mm-hmm. next time I did it with our clients didn't have their video on and they said well we don't want to be seen and I said I'm sorry but you need to be seen
2: mm-hmm. we
1: all need to see each other we all need to feel vulnerable and we all need to read each other's body language or it's not going to work mm-hmm. and so I think being able to also you know have the I don't know the rudeness to be able to say that to your clients, but knowing it's for the better?
0: Yeah. Surprisingly, what I've noticed, because, you know, I mean, I did a lot of video work before this started, but what I've noticed is that things have gotten more casual and more informal over the four or five weeks. I'm noticing that a lot of humor has come into the situation. I've noticed that there's a comfort level. And I was talking to David Ryling, who's a banker. And he said, it's really, really interesting that going to see your banker was a formal activity. Mm-hmm. But just clicking on a button and being with your banker and you're in your boardroom and the banker's in the boardroom, he says, it's a much friendlier, much easier conversation than when the person would wait in the waiting room and then come in and see the banker, where the person wanted something from the banker. I've noticed that just you know, I've done eight workshops so far in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that every one of them, my team is saying, you know, you every time you seem more relaxed with the whole thing. And, you know, and I'll make little jokes, you know, and I do that in person in the workshops and everything else. But it was kind of funny. It was missing when I first did the uh, right. Zoom ones. But now everything that I do in the front of the room, I I do when I come in. I get
1: a little bit of timing. And I think the other thing is that, for someone that wants to know a little bit more about you and I see the plates behind you or what your fiddle leaf looks like and it's healthy and I can grow one or or that I have Rome behind me, I think you see a lot more into a person mm-hmm. and you're able to relate to them in a much better way even if it's maybe a controversial conversation mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to be human when you're seeing them in their own home space yeah.
0: We're the rest of the year now. So the way I look at the world, there was the old normal, and that stopped mm-hmm. around March 1st, and yep. then we're in the scary times. And at a certain point, the all-clear whistle is going to blow, and right. we're going to be able to congregate and mingle, and all the different dimensions are returned to us. What do you think is going to stay from this that changed because of these scary times? In your business, I'm talking, what do you think is going to permanently be there even though it was sort of temporary or it seemed like it was temporary, what do you think is gonna stay?
1: I think our clients, for us, design is a very tactile touch piece. And quite often, clients would forcibly say, hey, we have to have in-person meetings because we need to understand this. And we've been making up these boxes and sending them out and doing the Zoom meetings. I think they're gonna see that that's no longer necessary. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things from a leadership standpoint, I've seen a couple of my associates that their attitude is 50,000 times better working from home. I think I'm going to have them not come in the office anymore. Mm-hmm. They've proven that they can do what they need to do. And then others, it's really hard for them. They need to be in community and around people. Mm hmm. I do think there's going to be a lot more people that thought they wanted to work at home that are going to realize they didn't want to work at home. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you hear about all this stuff that we're going to go to a work at home community. I think it's like when we invented electronic files and everybody said, Oh, we're not going to have any paper. We have more paper than we ever had,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, being able to have an electronic file didn't get rid of people printing things. It just made it more.
0: Okay. I'm a owner of a senior living home. And Mm -hmm. I'm a good one, and I've done a great job for my people during this period of time. What's working with Lisa Sini going to be different about from when the new normal, what more am I going to get as a result of knowing Lisa Mm -hmm. and Mosaic?
1: The new normal is going to be that instead of pushing and talking about the fact that I think tech needs to be part of senior living, as I've been for the last five years and written about it in three different books. I've actually am developing collaborations with tech partners. I'm no longer sitting by the wayside and I'm going to be bringing them to the table for our clients. So they're looking at us for the expertise, not only for the design, but how do you integrate this in? Before it was a completely separate thing. And what we're finding is now it's part of the design. And we can no longer ignore this. If we're going to do a holistic project, we have to engage with low voltage and all of the tech pieces. I think that's going to be the 100% change around. And that's everything from something like Redirect Health. We're going to be bringing that to our clients on how do they provide free health care for their workers, to gamification, to, you know, video conferencing safely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Free Zone Frontier, what did you think it was going to be before it happened and what do you think it is now?
1: What did I think it was going to be before it happened? You know, I was scared to start the program. You know, you have Steve Krein and you have these guys in there that are these huge chipmunk and all these super big thinkers and they seem like cowboys to me. They go out and they just do stuff, you know, and some magical happens and it just all falls into place. So I was scared to do it, but I know I only rise to the level of people that I surround myself around. And I've seen that when I've tracked it. Every single time I've went up in a group at Coach or with another mastermind group, I've gotten better. And I think it's because I gain confidence from the people around me. And part of it is you're sitting having conversations and you're like, I can hang in that conversation. Okay, then this is not that hard. And in my little groups at home, Everybody thinks I'm crazy and doing way more stuff than I should be doing. So there's this natural magnetic to pull me back down. And when I got in the free zone frontier, it's almost like I'm got zero g. I'm in a space where I can just float around and do anything without any restrictions. So all that I have to do, and that's one of the biggest things that I've learned about, is that through this whole crisis, is that my biggest thing is to figure out how to set boundaries as to where I want to go, because I can go anywhere I want to go now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I just have to figure out where that boundary is and why I want to go there.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I had a free zone conference on Monday, and we just had four. We had Chip, Chipmok was there, mm-hmm. and Ninad came in from Mumbai, and then Steve Kreitzberg, who's a new player from Washington, Oregon area. Mm-hmm. And Tony Caldwell from Oklahoma City, we were there. And they all said that since the scary times have started, their ambitions have gotten a lot bigger. Yes. Do you
1: find that's true? 100%. I think this is a reset point, And it allows us that are in the program to just kind of think of, like, I don't have to be bound by anything. I could change everything right now. And no one would say a word to me about it. And so really, it is no gravity. You can go wherever you want to go and do whatever you want to do. And I think the opportunities are going to be there. I have no doubt about that.
0: This is great. Actually, the free zone has brought us together more because people are seeing each other as Hollywood squares. You know, I had 11. 11- I do. I,
2: mean, I love that.
0: They feel that they're part of this group much more than they do in the room or in the small groups. So it's really been interesting just to see how much people have become much more helpful and cooperative simply because of the restriction or the limitation.
1: The side chats that you're able to have with people, quite often I get out of, you know, our sessions in Chicago and go, gosh, I wish I would have been able to talk to this person. Yeah. And with what we're doing now, I don't have that restriction. Yeah. I can just have a side chat and be able to have my touch points. And that's very, very nice.
0: Yeah. Good. Yep. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you very much. i just go
0: walking. I know there's a nice little espresso bar just down down the street there.
2: Thanks a lot.
1: See you later. You guys have a great day.